Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind-the-scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up-and-coming debut writers, about their books. Harper Academic Calling, Gary Rivlin. Gary Rivlin is a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter and author of several books. He joins us today to talk about Saving Main Street, small business in the time of COVID-19. In the book, he follows several small businesses from the beginning of the pandemic and over the next 18 months of chaos, misinformation, and hardship. Gary highlights how, as disruptive as the pandemic was, it was just the latest in a series of obstacles small businesses in America have been forced to confront over the years. We spoke about some of the businesses and topics covered in the book, as well as what the future may hold for small businesses. So joining us right now on Harbor Academic Calling, we have Gary Rivlin, and we are here to talk about Gary's new book, Saving Main Street. And Gary, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So in this book, you um, profile several small businesses and you follow them throughout uh, much of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So tell us a little bit about the process of how you found these businesses and how you decided ultimately which ones to profile, because you did, you talked to more than are in the book, correct? Right. I I spoke to around 50 small business operators. Um, There are three main uh, small business owners in the in the book, and there's another, I don't know, four, five, six that you follow, secondary characters, but you follow them throughout. And then I, you know, quote some of the others and uh, and ended up not quoting a, a bunch. You know, I, I called it auditions because um, mm-hmm. it was the start of the pandemic. I, I started this project in May of 2020. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the auditions, as I call it, um, we're, we're Zoom, you know, and I'd meet people and, you know, I was trying to listen to how long has their business been around. I mean, you know, the book is about these, you know, small business operators that are confronted by COVID, but really it's about the larger fight uh, of small businesses for decades against big box stores and chains, the internet, globalization, whatever it may be. So I was always listening for kind of what were their bigger struggles. Because I, I, I think the book is as much about kind of how hard it is to be a small business operator, all those various challenges. And, you know, COVID was just the latest. For some, it was existential. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. restaurant, a, a hair salon, those are two of the businesses I look at, uh, you know, huge, huge challenges. But, you know, it was just the latest challenge in a long list of recessions, you know, broken this, broken broken that. Um, you know, one, one thing I decided, so I, I had to set it somewhere. I, I live in New York City and you know the 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 big issue here is expenses the the rent and stuff and i I thought new york is kind of its own world and i wanted this kind of a little bit more universal so i wanted someplace away from the coast and i was nervous about flying everyone was nervous about flying so i chose northeastern pennsylvania it's a couple hours from my house it was easy to get to so i could keep on going back and check in on these businesses so all but one of the businesses I end up highlighting uh, is in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And especially because um, the title Saving Main Street, um, this area of Pennsylvania you picked, you know, really encapsulates that idea of, you know, Main Street. When we think of those small businesses, that kind of small town life. 
Right, right. In fact, literally one of the three main businesses is on Main Street in mm-hmm. his town of 8,000 Old Forge, Pennsylvania. Um, the others are on Main Streets, but they're called Tioga. <laughs> you know, they have different mm-hmm. um, names, but anyway. Yeah. The metaphorical Main Street. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so like you said, you started talking to these businesses in May of 2020. So the pandemic had already started then. Um, but I'm curious, was this a project that you started because of the pandemic, or had you kind of been thinking about small businesses and wanting to do some sort of project on their struggles before this? So my dad, my his entire adult life was a small business operator. And, you know, I used to say, you know, steak or peanut butter, you know, a nice <laughs> or, you know, kind of a, a small Ford. I always knew, we always knew how dad was doing based on, you know, kind of the car we were driving and, you know, how high on the hog we could live. So, you know, I, I grew up seeing uh, the, 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 the struggles, the challenges, the ups and downs of being a small business operator. So, yeah, there was part of me that always was thinking about in the back of uh, his mind. And, you know, about a decade ago, it was actually uh, an editor at uh, HarperCollins, uh, Hollis Heimbach, had, you know, we were talking and, you know, she said, kind of, we, we fetishize small business. We talk about it's the backbone of America. We all love small business and all. And yet with each passing year, uh, we seem to like lower costs and convenience more. You see Amazon grabs a larger share. It's harder and harder for small businesses to survive. And so we were talking about, you know, this this contradiction, essentially, and essentially the, the plight uh, of small businesses. And I had in the back of my mind, and as soon as COVID hit, I thought, aha, now, now we have the news hook. Uh, now, mm-hmm. now we have kind of the storyline. Now it's a matter of finding the right businesses to tell that story I've been thinking about for some years now. So it was really a matter of like the moment was right for this story. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the title of the book, um, I really, I like the title because Saving Main Street, it, the way you talk about small business in the book, it really feels like this almost Sisyphean endeavor where it's, you know, you're constantly rolling the rock up the hill and then it falls down, you know, there's another issue and they have to build it back up again. You know, there's little to no promise of eventual security. Um And especially, like you said, with lowering costs, um, the way our world is becoming more global, more online, um, is small business dying, do you think? I mean, quite literally, there are less small businesses today than there were 20 years ago, 40 uh, years ago. Uh, No, so one positive that came out of COVID, uh, well, let me back up. So at the start of the pandemic, we're all hearing these dire predictions. One third of the small businesses would go under 40% of independent restaurants. And, you know, it was really frightening. I, I, I feared that I would be documenting this great small business die-off, that I'd be kind of chronicling the carnage of the 50 or so small businesses I, I contacted. Only one, one, only one went out of business. And honestly, I only contacted them when I read about them in the local newspaper that they were going to have to have to close. So there really wasn't this great small business die off. There was a, you know, typically when you write about small businesses, it's always risky. You know, eight to 10 percent of small businesses go under every single year. You know, uh, the odds of making it beyond five years as a small business are 50 50 half go out of business within the first uh, five years. And instead of like the average of eight and a half percent going out of business in 2020, 11 and a half percent 
went out. So, yeah, that's, that, that's there's there's a lot of sadness there. There are um, some great businesses, longtime businesses that have been serving communities for decades that went under, but not nearly uh, what what we feared. And in fact, what we started seeing in the second half of 2020 and 2021 was a huge uptick uh, in entrepreneurialism. You know, we saw more small businesses. According to one academic, there's actually more small businesses. Uh, there were more small businesses at the end of 2021 uh, than they were than there were at the start of 2020. And so what we really saw is like, yeah, there was businesses going under, but a lot of businesses being created as well. And a lot of businesses through creativity, through determination, holding on and, and surviving despite the odds. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I loved um, in your book, how you really highlighted how so many of these businesses really held on um, in part because they were so creative. They had such ingenuity. Um, I think of, you know, TJ with the barbecue pit or um, the woman who ran the cafe. I'm blanking on her name, but she comes up with like the boards of different things she can sell to people. So there is like that real that spirit of just, you know, grit that you don't really get from these larger chains. It, 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 I hadn't anticipated this going into this project, but I just love that. Just the energy, the commitment, the creativity. TJ, who you mentioned, you know, I mean, he 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 threw everything against the wall and see what would happen. He, he started doing Taco Tuesdays. It's a you mm-hmm. know upscale Italian restaurant, right. <laughs> and he started doing Taco Tuesday. They're not even open on Tuesday, but he figured just a way of bringing in you know more money. He tried those uh, box kits. The 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 uh, meal prep kits like uh, mm. Blue Apron, that proved a bust. Like people didn't really want to go pick them up at his restaurant, go through all the work and have to do the dishes, you know, and just, just make the food for me. I'll, I'll take it a little bit cold. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then, you know, as you pointed out, he just taught himself, watched YouTube videos, had a barbecue. Didn't even really like barbecue. He, you know, it just wasn't his kind of eating, but he yeah, just. He was kind of opposed to it at first, right? Uh, yeah, well, or at least for his restaurant. Right. I don't know. If if someone else's idea and he thought, huh, wow, that, you know, a Saturday or Sunday, like it's nice weather. I can't have people inside. That's a really good idea. And it proved a huge success. And in fact, you know, one of the uh, bright sides of of the pandemic. Now the devil's pit is his bar. He has an outdoor bar he built in a, a, a barbecue pit. And, you know, he uses it for events. Sometimes he'll have uh, uh, live music and all. It's kind of another revenue. Uh, so Tamara, the the cafe owner you were you were talking about, you know, she had a cafe in the center of town, you know, city of Hazleton, thirty thousand people, but you know, office buildings, and no one was coming by, but she had a kitchen, and so she's now a caterer. You know, she has, you know, if you want to be kind of all tech and cool about it, she has a dark kitchen, um, you know, a dark restaurant they they sometimes call them that. You know, it's a kitchen without tables, and she'll cater. Um, she'll make the boards, which are essentially gift baskets. She sells picnic baskets and stuff. And, you know, she found a way. She found a way, just like mm-hmm. all these folks, just found a way, either through sheer energy or creativity. They found a way to keep their 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 store, their restaurant open. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but as much as much as they did find these ways, um, there was so much that went wrong at the beginning of the pandemic as far as small businesses. Um, what do you think could have maybe provided a better outcome? Were were there lessons that, you know, whether we heed them or not in the coming years that we as a government, as a society have learned from this pandemic as far as small business and how to serve them best? So we have a system that's 
rigged in favor of large enterprises, e even the small business administration, they count uh, businesses up to 500 employees as small businesses. I, you know, I don't know anyone who in their head thinks small business and anything above maybe 20, 40, maybe 50 uh, employees. You, you know, over that, you're starting to get to medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we saw happen, the whole country saw happen with PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, which was created for small business. You had all these large enterprises who knew how to work the system. They cleaned it out. Um, mm -hmm. in the in, in the first round, you know, there were subsequent rounds that helped smaller enterprises. Um, and so that's that's one problem. You know, PPP, you, you throw a trillion dollars or so. And if you add PPP plus this second uh, program that the SBA has, the economic injury um, uh, uh, disaster loans, you know, about a trillion dollars of federal dollars went to small businesses. You know, you throw a trillion dollars at something, it's amazing how much it could work, but it was so inefficient. It was so chaotic. And I would say it was poorly drawn. The whole idea of it was to help small businesses, but was the paycheck protection. Like, wait, we have unemployment. We have a system that helped the unemployed. Mm -hmm. Why don't we come up with something to help businesses? But instead, there was this cockamamie rule that you had to spend at least three quarters of the money we give you through PPP on payroll, on employees, and you have to spend it in eight weeks. And so, okay, my the governor of the state of Pennsylvania, governors across the country, closed down retail and said, you can't open. In Pennsylvania, typically it was like two months where they couldn't have anyone come in. And I have to pay during that eight-week period to have employees come in. Well, they can't come in because it's locked. It's on, under lockdown. No customers could come in. I guess they could do inventory. I guess they could clean up, but there really wasn't any work to do. It, it made no sense. And it was tinkered. It got better. But, you know, I, I wish next time, if there's a next time, when there's a next time, uh, we came up with a program, government came up with a program that actually helps small business rather than kind of this roundabout way uh, that PPP did it. Mm -hmm. Do you think government in general maybe needed to have more conversations with small business owners to assess their needs? So when you when you do a book like mine, right, it, it's you're telling the broader story, but it gets really local. It's a story of mm -hmm. these people in these few uh, towns or cities that I focused on. And so I looked at Pennsylvania. So, you know, to the extent we hear what the state policy is, it's 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 the state of Pennsylvania. And you know, they, they had a Democratic governor there, Tom Wolf, very much a technocrat. And his approach was basically to lock the door with his advisors and come up with policy and never really talk to the restaurants, the stores, the hotel owners, all those they were trying to help. They would just come up with policies that made no sense. And of course, then the policy comes down, then there's debate about it, and there's argument. Some don't listen because it doesn't make sense. Others are listening and there's you know all this back and forth. Should we change it? So the rules start to change their tweak. It would have made a lot more sense to just bring them in the room, or I guess COVID, um, talk to them via some video Zoom room, <laughs> right? And 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 get their view because they could have like corrected some problems, you know, made the policy make more sense, you know, towards the same goal. Yes, we want to protect people, we want to stop the spread uh, of 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 COVID. Um, 
but do it just a, a, a smarter way. Uh, at least based on Pennsylvania, it seemed uh, there was very little outreach to the actual businesses, and particularly small business. You know, you saw it with Donald Trump when he was coming up with policies with restaurants, when he was thinking about policies towards businesses, he brought in for restaurants and National Restaurant Restaurant Association. That's you know McDonald's and the big chains. He didn't bring in the independent restaurant people, and you know there's different needs, different policies of a restaurant that has 20, 25 people and, and, you know, one outlet and, you know, McDonald's franchisers across the country or other, you know, companies that run their own shops. Um, and so it, it, there seems, uh, again, coming back to that point, we talk about how important small businesses are. We talk about it being the backbone, politicians, the rest of us, but there didn't seem much interest in actually hearing from small businesses during COVID. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic, as we know, isn't quite over, um, but the book mainly covers the disruption the pandemic caused to small businesses. Um, I mean, it talks about more than that, but that's kind of the, the focus of the story there. So is that story, the disruption the pandemic caused, is that largely over or is that still ongoing, do you think? Well, I mean, all the businesses in one way or another are, are dealing with People might still be fearful. You never know when there'll be, you know, uh, another uptick, a surge uh, in the spread. But you know, so the, the the narrative goes through the start of of, of 2022. Um, and you know, I, the way I look at it is now small businesses are more or less back to where they were at the start of 2020. The same huge challenges because you're up against these giants and operating in a system that seems rigged uh, towards the larger players. So I guess the good news here is it's just as hard as it always was. It's just the usual stuff that small businesses have been confronting for years and decades. Mm -hmm. So I want to close out our conversation about the book um, with a quote from Glenda in the book. Um, she said something that really stuck with me and I think kind of speaks to this larger question. Um, she says, why are we still fighting to run these family businesses? Why are we so stupid? Um, so with the insecurity of running a small business and the cheaper prices for consumers and benefits for employees that larger chains can offer, what is the case for a small business? You know, I mean, she's right. <laughs> On one level, you have to be out of your mind. It, it, it's It's so stressful, right? I mean, you go work for some big company and good week, bad week, you get the same salary. You know, their funds are low. They're not coming to you and saying, hey, uh, you have to go into your personal uh, savings. But, you know, different people start small businesses for different reasons. You've got from the book, uh, TJ, Vilma Hernandez, who the beauty salon in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. This, that's their passion. That's just what they do. And that's what they want to do. TJ wants to cook. He could go work for someone else, but he wants to cook his way. He's an extraordinary cook. That was one of the big mm -hmm. benefits where I got to, <laughs> got to eat his food. Great place. Uh, Cusimano's, Old Forge, Pennsylvania. There's the commercial. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's just like if his restaurant had a, went out of business, it just his life would be until he started his next uh, restaurant. So there's some people that this is just their passion. You know, for others, it's it's interesting. It's just a way of trying to make better in your life, your family's life, right? Uh, you know, so uh, uh, one of the characters, Glenda, you 
you know, the quote that is that, that's shaping this conversation. You know, her mom was a clerk in a clothing store and then uh, worked as a, a, a secretary for a lawyer and, you know, made a modest living, but opened up this gift, uh, uh, gift and card store in Tacatic rural area um, just to make more money. You know, it's like 15, I'm, I'm going to make up the number. I don't know how much money she made, but, you know, today's dollars, like, you know, you can make 12 or $15 an hour. There was someone actually in, in, in Hazleton, a, a Latina woman making 15 bucks or so an hour at some distribution center. And her and a friend who also worked there, they opened up a smoothie and sandwich shop because they wanted to make more money. So, you know, the reasons that people start small businesses means there always will be small business. It, it's hard. Um, again, the odds are that it will go under. But, you know, it's kind of the human spirit. You know, I don't want to work for the man. I want to make better for myself. This is what I do. I write books, right? I mean, I guess I could make more money if I did something else. But this is what I love. This is what I love doing. And, you know, in that sense, I'm a small business uh, op operator working for myself. There are struggles. There's ups and downs. But, you know, this is what I want to do. I, I, I kind of put small business operators in that same category. Mm-hmm. And obviously, small business isn't limited to just America, but there is something about that spirit that does feel very American. The whole, like, I don't want to work for the man. I'm going to, you know, forge my own path, do my own thing. You, you, you say that, and, it, and it's true. There is something about the American identity. You go back into, you know, Revolutionary War times and you know, the blacksmith and the apothecary and the general store. It's really kind of central to the U.S. narrative, you really can't have a democracy if it's just elites, right? You you, mm -hmm. you need small, small farmers, small business operators. But, you know, during research for this book, uh, you know, it turns out that some countries have a higher uh, portion of people uh, of small business operators. Remember, you know, the U.S., we're known for small small business or we like to, you know, our identity is 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 wrapped up in that. But, you know, we've given we've created a lot of huge chains that are trying to conquer the world. Mm -hmm. And so there are other countries that don't have the Amazons and the Walmarts and these other, you know, huge players. And so, you know, to me, small business is the backbone of every uh, country for the same reason. It's so important to our our identity, uh, to our economy, to our culture, to democracy. It's important in all these other places as well. So, you know, there is something American, but there's something universal. There's something global, mm -hmm. uh, the, the importance of small business. Absolutely. Yeah, very well said. Um, so, Gary, before I let you go, um, I do have one more question for you. And this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests on the podcast. Um, since this is primarily for teachers and their students, who was your favorite teacher? Lee Anderson, Northwestern University, changed my life. I, I really, I really, I really think that kind of turned me on to politics. It, you know, it's interesting. He did um, uh, for uh, one of the big uh, textbook publishers. Uh, he was the one who gave life to Windows on the World. And this mm, idea, okay, we just learning about history through the U.S. perspective. I mean, now that's gone to why are we look, looking at through kind of, you know, kind of white male perspective. But back then, uh, when I was studying, and, and you know, it's just like kind of this idea, like we could really understand ourselves much better, kind of like I just did in the last question. If we understood like, yes, we're special, but let's understand the ways that the 
this is universal. Let's understand the ways that uh, we're, we're, we're unique. And I, I don't know, I, I, that was the easiest question in the world to answer. I've had some good teachers from when I was uh, younger. I've been fortunate to have some people who have kind of taught me about writing and journalism. Uh, but a political science professor no longer with us, he passed away at Northwestern, is, is my favorite teacher. I was going to say, I feel like most of the time we have people, they take the moment of like, oh, that's such a good question. Ooh, but you you had that answer ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. It's been truly wonderful having this conversation with you. Well, thank you, Michael. That's nice of you to say. It was, it was pleasurable for me, too. Good, good. Happy to hear that. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.